What is Agent Ignite? Get educated on current and forecasted market trends and valuable insight on real estate-related topics from accredited experts, giving you a competitive edge in the industry. Sign up for the next Agent Ignite session at theruthteam.com slash events. That's T-H-E-R-U-E-T-H team.com forward slash events. But it's not for everybody. And it's super competitive and super challenging. And you've got to keep, like you said, you've got to keep the end in mind. And that's very hard when you're underwriting 100 deals to get one or 150 deals to get one. It can be very deflating. But if you stick with it and you find the right people, it can be very, very rewarding. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. Joining us today is Brandon Magarowski, who is an active syndicator and loan broker currently owns multiple multifamily properties in Louisiana, Texas, and Florida. So we've got a Gulf Coast fan on our hands um, and is a graduate of Multifamily University. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me. So I know you've been in the the Northwest corner of Louisiana for a while, and you told me at the top that Ball took you there. So expand on that. Dug into your background, looks like you're a coach, um, have a lot of background in baseball. What drove you to there? And then what draw a line from that background to where you are today in commercial real estate? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I guess my tagline is I'm actually living what they call the American dream. I, I came from Canada back in 2004, came down to play baseball on a scholarship. I had no intention of saying I, I was coming down to play ball, my passion, graduate, and I was going to go back home. Ended up meeting, uh, who's now my wife. And we have a family. Usually a girl involved. Yeah, usually a girl involved. And, uh, you know, she made me legal. I got my permanent residency card because I was married and I started a baseball business. I was coaching college baseball. The program I played at, I ended up coaching. I graduated with my master's degree and I knew coaching coaching wasn't for me. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always felt like I had that kind of drive and passion to do my own thing. I just didn't know what. Ended up meeting a guy that was running some baseball tournaments. Did not think it would grow to what it is today, eight years ago. But you know, we went from running three events in one state and we do over 100 events across 11 states in the Southeast within the baseball business. And that baseball business really allowed me to network with other individuals in the sports world. And one of them was actually one of our partners. Uh, he's active duty Navy and he is my real estate partner today. Back in 2016, he was bragging to me about these deals, these real estate deals he had in, in Panama City, Florida. He was doing what he called STR. I had no idea what that meant. He was like, yeah, the STR, they're cash flowing. I had no idea what these terms meant. All I knew was people talk about real estate and how great it is and how the wealthiest people in the world always do real estate. But I was in a position where I was a middle-class family man running my own business and we were just growing a little bit year after year. I didn't have a lot of cash on hand to go invest in the deals, nor did I know how to invest in deals. So I asked Ramsey, my partner, I said, how do I do this? I want to buy something. I want to get my feet wet in real estate. And he threw two books at me, one being Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the other one being a real estate, just a real estate book of how to invest in real estate. I read both of them. And three months later, we bought our first properties together here in Shreveport. And six months after that, we bought another property here in Shreveport. The first one being a triplex, three units, second one being a six unit. And that was my introduction into real estate. And from there, the light bulb kind of went off. We want to go bigger multifamily. And he's active 
duty Navy. I'm running a business. We both have families. We both have a small portfolio. And it's like, how do we do this? We had no idea where to get started. Someone told us to read the Joe Fairless, you know, syndication, apartment syndication book. It was phenomenal, but still, you still had to do it. You know, everyone can read it, but you know this, Sam, you have to go do it. And we said, we need a little kickstart. So we went to the Neil Bawa uh, Multifamily University boot camp up in San Diego. We dropped about three grand a piece. We invested money into it and we went to that boot camp. And in three days, we learned from A to Z on how to syndicate apartments, how to raise capital. But again, we still had to go do it. Came back and we picked up another partner who's active duty Navy. He lives in Panama City. His name's Joey Bickham. And we hit the ground running. We said, we're going to start telling people what we're up to how we're going to go after these large apartment complexes. And last year, after about eight months of being together as a team, we finally landed our first deal. It was a 119 unit deal in Lubbock, Texas, in partnership with VFR Capital Investments out of Dallas. And we were brought into that deal 10 days before close. We had to raise, our requirement was to raise $250,000 as a team. And we ended up raising $500,000 in eight days and got that deal across the finish line with VFR and with Elevate Capital with Georgia Brew. And that was our first deal. And that was kind of the feather in the cap. They always say the first one's the hardest. But Sam, that's kind of my path. I came here as a baseball guy, want to do real estate, read a couple of books, found the right partner, made some mistakes early, went to a boot camp, got our first deal last year in June and followed by another syndication last fall over in San Antonio. Oh, that's fantastic. So in there, big part of your story is finding the right partner. Um, and that's something that gets talked about a lot. Like everybody says, oh, it's really important you find that partner, but it's kind of hard to define what that actually looks like. What, what does it mean to find that person? How do you go about it? How did you guys meet? How did you determine that you were the right fit for each other? He was a partner in the baseball business that we were operating together. So we actually worked together inside of these baseball events and kind of really hit it off on a personal level, but he ended up being my mentor. So my goal was to find somebody that was doing it already and say, okay, how can I add value to that person, improve his portfolio, and he can teach me the ropes. So we bought the properties in Shreveport together, but I took on all asset management and management of those properties. And he didn't have to do anything. And we still split it 50-50. So that was my value to him to say, listen, we're going to split costs of these properties, the down payment, but I'm going to manage everything. You don't have to do anything. And that was my deal to him for the first deals. So my recommendation, if someone's out there, a lone wolf looking for somebody, obviously start networking, obviously start telling people what you're up to, but just look inside your personal network of who is already doing this and ask them, how are you doing this? How can I add value to you? And you'll end up finding the right people. But along the way, you're going to find people that you think are right and they're not. That's just the nature of business. That's the nature of real estate is there's a lot of over-promisers and under-deliverers out there. But sometimes you just got to learn the hard lessons with those people. You touched on this a little bit, but we get calls at LifeBridge all the time from people who want to break into the business. They're well-intentioned. They're like, hey, how can I add value? This and that. Syndication is not challenging to understand the broad strokes of what's happening. And if if your first question is, how can I add value? You probably haven't done enough homework. I'm just not sitting around dreaming up roles for people to uh, parachute into. There's obvious ways that you can drive value like you did for your prospective partner. It's like, hey, I've got these deals. I want to learn. You've got the knowledge I need. I'll put my time, sweat, blood, tears into this. You just pass on the knowledge. And then, hey, a partnership was born out of that. I think that that's something that gets glossed over is, yeah, find those people who are doing deals, who are actually 
actually making waves in the action, but figure out a way to proactively provide value, not just sit back and, oh, hey, how can I help? Well, yeah, a great question to ask those teams is, where do you need help? Inside of your group, which role are you guys missing? And it could be underwriting, it could be capital raising, it could be off asset management, and see if you can fill that role. Uh, But you got to be good in syndications, sorry, in smaller deals, you can be good at a lot of different things. When it comes to syndicating and joining a GP group, the roles are usually established inside those groups, right? You have your underwriter, you have your capital raising team, you have your asset manager, you have your acquisitions manager. If you're early in this game and you want to syndicate, figure out which one of those roles you want to be and be the best at it. If you're going to underwrite, go be the underwriter. And that's a mistake we made early as a team, as a syndication team, is we were all trying to do everything at the same time. We're all trying to capital raise. We're all trying to underwrite. But slowly we figured out, honestly, what we didn't like to do, right? It's like, we're doing all these things. It's like, man, I hate underwriting. We need an underwriter. Nobody wants to start a spreadsheet on this team. Man, I love capital raising. Hey, I hate capital raising. And we molded it that way. Looking back, what we could have done early on is really sat down and say, hey, what does everybody really love to do? And what is everybody really good at? And let's get in that lane. And then let's figure out which lane we don't have filled and go out and find that person. Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. Yeah, division of labor is important. Uh, if you don't have clearly defined roles, responsibilities, and KPIs, it's going to be pretty hard to move the ball forward. I mean, I think back even to my first syndication and just begin with the end in mind. And then take one bite every day. Just move forward one step, whether that's in the underwriting or or whatever role you're trying to master. But as you said several times in relaying your story, you have to take action. You do have to take action. All the books in the world, and Joe Fairless's book is a phenomenal book for those who haven't read it. Really soup to nuts of the whole syndication process. It's not going to go out and close a deal for you. You have to take those steps. You have to take the knowledge, the head knowledge, and actually apply it out in the real world. And that goes for when you're paying for mentorships and you know a lot of gurus out there that are teaching everybody. I want to know what the percentages of actual people that take what they've learned and actually go apply it and close deals. And if you're a person that you know you can still learn it and still be involved in real estate, you know this, Sam, is, is just go be a passive investor. If you don't have the bandwidth to be an operator, there's still a lot of money to be made as a passive investor where you just, you know, give your money to a deal, kick your feet up and let the operators do the work. Uh, obviously, as a GP and an operator, there's going to be a little more meat on the bone for you because you're in the weeds on those deals. But it's not for everybody. And it's super competitive and super challenging. And you've got to keep, like you said, you've got to keep the end in mind. And that's very hard when you're underwriting 100 deals to get one or 150 deals to get one. It can be very deflating. But if you stick with it and you find the right people, it can be very, very rewarding. You mentioned finding the right mentoring program or coach. Um, Neil Bawa is known in the industry for his data-driven approach and and some of his unique ways of, of looking at numbers. How would you advise people to go out and find a mentor? Well, someone told me this, one of my podcasts, someone said, you know, find a mentor that's not just promoting a lifestyle, 
They're promoting action steps. If you're looking for that mentor, the best way to find it is, is to talk to other people about who they have used as mentors and what their experience was. There's a lot of noise on the internet. There's a lot of people selling guru programs and mentorships and courses, but you got to find out who's actually been inside those courses, what they learned, what they've applied. And the biggest thing is you, you've got to pay for mentorship. Paying for mentorship, number one, pay for what you get. You know, the, if you pay for something, usually they're providing a very superb service. It's been thought out. And number two, when you pay for it, you're going to apply yourself. It's like a gym membership. If you pay for the gym membership, you're going to go to the gym for the most part. If you set up a free gym at home, and there's no money in the line, it's easy to just look at it, right? It's just one of those things. We paid for a mentor. We hired a mentor. His name's Tim Kelly out of Active Duty Passive Income, very successful syndicator, capital raiser, educator. And we paid for him for six months. And it ended up leading us to that first deal. After we finally got off our wallets and paid for somebody to really teach us the ropes, we closed our first deal. Brandon, I know you're on the debt side of deals as well. Um, You're in the loan origination business. Uh, You're wearing a lot of hats these days. Uh, Debt markets have been highly volatile. What advice would you have for syndicators who are getting started or trying to figure out how to finance a loan in these interesting conditions? Yeah, my my advice would be, and I I guess this would be like, you could say that I'm selling, but don't be afraid to use a broker for your loans. I'm a loan broker, almost a loan advisor because we're also syndicators. So the lenders that we're providing for our clients are the same lenders we're using for our syndications. We have a large database of those lenders that do bridge debt, agency debt, CMBS, HUD, SBA. We do private equity. There's usually a 1% fee tied to a broker. So 1% of the loan amount is going to be paid for the broker. But if you are new to this game and you don't have a network of lenders to get soft quotes and to get term sheets and to shop it out, then I would highly recommend going with an experienced brokerage team and going, hey guys, I got this deal. I need a loan. Because what they're going to do, they're not just going to take it to one lender. They're going to take it to five or six and get be competitive with it to get you the absolute best term sheet. And guess what? While they're doing that, you can work on setting up the operation of your property, not trying to call lenders and trying to sell your property to them. Along those veins, in what way have you recently improved your business? It could be your uh, ball coaching or event business. It could be the syndication side. It could be your loan origination side. But what's one way that you've improved your business that our audience might be able to take and implement in theirs? The number one way to improve your business, what you're doing, in my opinion, is to tell people what you do. Too many people hide. They sit behind social media. They sit behind their desk. They sit behind their phone and just operate. If you want to attract people to you and attract people, clients or other operators or other GP groups or people to rate, uh, invest in your deals, you've got to tell them what you're up to and why you're doing it. When we find as a group, even in the baseball business and in the syndication business and in the brokerage business, finally told people what we're doing and why we're doing and put ourselves out there to show people that we're just real human beings that put our pants on the same way you do, that we're very relatable, but we're also doing this. And when you have a deal or you have an event you want to play in as a baseball team, you need a loan for your deal. I want people to think about Brandon Magarowski or Joey Bickham or Robert Newburn or Wesley Yates, whoever's on our team, right? And the only way for them to know those names, get your name out there. Whether that's going to conferences, whether that's on social media, whether that's through setting up phone calls, whether that's getting on podcasts. But if you're going to hide, you want to 
you are. And I think part of that just comes from a confidence of knowing what you want. You know, don't posture yourself as an expert when you're not, but also be forward with people and let people know, hey, this is what I'm seeking to do. Here's uh, some things I've learned along the way. People are generally in your network. They want to, they're curious. They want to know what you're doing. And especially when it's off the beaten path, syndication, as much as a lot of us eat and uh, breathe in this space, uh, it's still very, very new. It's pretty fresh. Most people haven't heard of it. Uh, You'll be surprised at how many opportunities you'd find just by being open about what you're pursuing. Open and honest, like you said, and just tell the truth. You know, if you haven't done a deal, you haven't done a deal. And But this is why you're doing it. And this is what you're up to. And this is where you're looking for deals. Or maybe you've done deals. And what have you learned from those deals? What mistakes have you made? Uh, just be open and honest with people. I think that's kind of what's missing in all the, some of the social media stuff is people hiding behind, you know, this, this glamorous social media life of everything's perfect. Every deal's perfect. All the money in the world is going into my pocket. And we all know that's not the truth. So I think what I would encourage other syndicators to do is talk more about some of the mistakes you made, because that's going to relate to a lot of people early on that are trying to get into syndications that it's to tell them it's not all roses, right? These, this is very challenging. And these are the challenges that we've had. And this is how we overcame them. And that's just going to be more relatable to people. You've seen a lot of offering memorandums from a lot of different brokers, all across the Gulf Coast, Brandon, what's a common area that maybe a broker stretches the truth or misleads a little bit in a deck that you point out for folks who are also underwriting deals that you see? Usually what I'm seeing the OMS is some of the comps. They'll leave out specific comps that are more realistic in the area. But I mean, an OM is an advertisement. The broker's trying to sell the deal for the most money he can. He wants top dollar for the deal. So he's going to make this deal look like the greatest deal in the world. So take the OM for what it's worth, but you really got to dive deep into your own underwriting. Do your own comps, do your own rent comps, do your own sales comps, get the co-star report, do the market reports, get the tax quotes, the insurance quotes, get a soft term on lending, uh, soft terms on lending for the deal before you submit your LOI. I think that's really important. I love running my initial phase of underwriting, just assuming that everything the broker told me is accurate. And if the deal doesn't pencil on my underwriting, which I can do that in like three minutes, like, well, this isn't a deal. But then you have to do a 180. I'm going to assume that nothing the broker told me is true. And we're going to go verify that. Um, But I find that two-pronged approach is helpful to winnow the field, so to speak. Right. How quickly are you being able to like to analyze a deal, what's the first thing you do, Sam? Are you looking at the underwriting, look at the market? So we're pretty entrenched in a couple of markets uh, here in Colorado and then in Idaho. So when we're evaluating deals, I don't have to do a lot of market research. I have a really good idea of the comp set. You know, we own close to 1500 units. So I know the sub markets pretty well. So I can look at a deck and see what's the rent roll look like? How much room is there to grow? And then what kind of CapEx items outside of a normal unit renovation? What else are we looking at? Those are the two things that I go to look at first. And we've done a lot of macro work and continue. You know, it's an an ongoing evolution of knowing your market and those sub markets. But the advantage of doing this for a little while and owning some units in different markets is you get to know them from the inside out. Um, And that knowledge is always more helpful. I can quickly look at one of our nearby properties. I mean, we own by most of the properties in Colorado Springs now and get a rough idea of is there value here that we can add? Um, or is this, you know, a pig that's been polished? And what you said in a super important is that you know you know that market like the back of your hand, right? You're expert in that one market and the surrounding submarkets. And I think a mistake even that we made early on was we wanted to be everywhere. We wanted to buy everywhere. Whatever deal hit our plate, we're like, oh, we'll go buy in that city, we'll go in the buy in that city. But we didn't have anybody in that city that would knew it. You know, they didn't know everything. 
everything and we didn't. So we really dialed it in. We dialed it in really a few markets and those markets only because there's people inside of those, those cities that we know and that we trust and they probably know the market better than we do. 100% agree. Well, Brandon, um, as we get ready to jump off here, where can folks reach out to you if they've got more questions about what you do on the loan side or as a part of your syndication group there at Real Focus? Yeah. So on the lending side, you can Brandon at centroidlending.com, Brandon at centroidlending.com. And then with our Real Focus Capital Group, it'd be Brandon at realfocus.org. Pretty active on LinkedIn, Facebook. If you want to reach out to me there, happy to connect. And whether you're a newbie or experienced syndicator, I'd love to chat with you about opportunities because really, I think, you know, this Sam, it's a team game, especially early on. You want to find experienced groups and team up like we did. And we're always looking to work with good people. Fantastic. Well, Brandon, thanks for joining us today. Thank you to our audience for joining us. It's been another episode of the Real Estate Syndication Show. I'm your host, Sam Rust, signing off. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.